So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise is ordered to undergo a series of tests that will propel it at previously unheard of speeds. Ooh. What do you think you're going to get? All right, I've got this one, I think. All right. They'll go further than anyone's ever gone before into space, but this will unfortunately turn them into lizards. <laughs> heard of this warp lizard. <laughs> Wesley's brilliance will be imposed on them. Lizard Riker will come up with a way to reverse it. Oh, man, you're way too early for this. Oh. <laughs> Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's Log, Stardate 41263.1. We have rendezvoused with the USS Fearless, from which a Starfleet propulsion expert and his assistant are beaming over to conduct tests on the Enterprise's warp drive engines. They have completed similar adjustments on two other Starfleet vessels. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I am Chris Lackey. How's it going? I'm Chris Lackey. I think I've got a bit of a spring in my step because I actually really like this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Congratulations to the class of 2020. Is that what everyone's doing? Yeah. Yay. Yay. There's a really good commencement speech done by Lying Vincent Price that you can find <laughs> on the uh, HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. I highly recommend you check that out. Well, let us step away from Lying Vincent Price and mm -hmm. into the 24th century by talking about this episode of Star Trek yeah. where no one has gone before. I see you're Lying Vincent Price and I raise you a doesn't listen to kids Riker. <laughs> It begins with the Enterprise and an old Excelsior-class starship, the USS Fearless. I find it fairly odd that they're using a 70-year-old ship design. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fiddle with it. <laughs> they're transferring a Starfleet propulsion specialist who is supposed to upgrade the Enterprise's warp engines. The engineer, Kaczynski, has done this for a few other starships, but Riker doesn't buy the math. Hmm. He and Data ran simulations and got nothing out of it. But Picard says, let's see what he's got. If he gets results, he gets results. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother having them do the simulations then? Maybe they're missing something. Uh, who knows? Mm. Uh, now, this is only a software tweak, so nothing mechanical is going to happen. So if he messes something up, I guess they can just, you know, boot up with Time Machine and mm. get all their old lost files back. Oh, goodness. You wouldn't let someone come in and do that who was super creepy and arrogant, would you? That's only one computer. Yeah. Never mind. A thousand people on the ship. It's crazy. Terrible idea. Seems like something to do in the dry dock to me. Or no rush, maybe. Just yeah. get the evidence first. Yeah, thank you. Riker goes to meet Kaczynski at the transporter room. Kaczynski beams over with his unnamed alien assistant. His name is unpronounceable to humans. Mm -hmm. He's real shifty and pompous, this Kaczynski. Will Wheaton called him an epic douche, the character, <laughs> not the actor. I enjoyed Stanley Carmel's performance. He was a prolific actor, best known as the psychiatrist in Monk, and also a psychiatrist on Murder One. Oh. He did four years on Days of Our Lives in the 70s. Sadly died of a heart attack in 2008. Oh my gosh, mm. doesn't seem that old. He's met by Riker, Troy, and Chief Engineer Argyle? Mm. Come on. <laughs> oh, like Argyle sweater. Yeah. Oh why yeah. Why don't they just call him Chief Engineer Bagpipes? <laughs> I wish. Didn't even bother doing an accent. <laughs> Will Wheaton's book, Memories of the Future, available as an ebook on willwheatonbooks.com. By the way, go to the mm -hmm. source, don't be paying Amazon money. Yeah, of course. It says, but everyone liked Biff Yeager. 
who's playing Argyle, and that he might have become a permanent chief engineer if it had not been for a letter-writing campaign from Trekkers requesting just that. Will said, It helps if the letters come in after your episode has aired. Yeah, apparently the letters came in before this show went out, and some Trekkies complained they were spammed via direct mail, either by Jaeger or people acting on his behalf, so he never got to be on the show again. Oh... Kaczynski is a stuck-up tool, and mm-hmm. Troy sees that he has a lot of self-confidence with <laughs> her empathy. Why do they write her like this? Well, just in case, you know, she voices these things. Just in case no one had noticed. And she also notes that she can't sense diddly squat from the alien assistant, like he's not even there. Which is useful, actually. Very useful. And yeah. Riker just goes, oh, all right, and then ignores <laughs> Troy's insight again. Yeah, why is she there? Is this going to be a theme? Mm, well, you tell me. She going to be? I don't remember this. Again, the first couple seasons are a bit hazy because mm. these episodes aren't very good. And their characters become a lot more well-written yeah. later on in They're the series. They're finding their way. Yeah. The assistant is a tall, polite alien with three fingers on each hand and a ridge. And he's got this unusual grey, curly wig, possibly dressed up as Picard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the same hairstylist. Yeah. He's generally referred to as the Traveller. This isn't the last time we see of him, played by Eric Menyuk who auditioned five times for the role of Data and got turned down in the final two. So Ooh. he was beat out by Brent Spiner. Wow. After retiring from his acting career, he retrained and became an attorney and represents children with disabilities and specializes in children's education rights. Uh, can tell he's a great soul, can't you? Yeah. He was a Star Trek fan as a kid and wore Play-Doh ears to be Spock, and some of his first books he read for fun were the James Blish Star Trek novels. Mm. Wow, real Trekkie. He comes from a family of scientists. There you go. Are you jealous? I'm a little jealous. Well, he got to be on Star Trek. And, yeah. Uh, it's a shame that he didn't get to keep acting on Star Trek, but it's awesome that he became an attorney to help kids with disabilities yeah. for crying out loud. I mean, he got paid for it. Don't give him too many odds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Kaczynski sachets down the, to engineering, and Riker tries to get him to explain what it is he's actually doing. But he throws so much shade on Riker that it gets frostbite. <laughs> Wesley is hanging out in engineering. Not sure why. Mm. Working on a school project, sure, I guess. Sure, why not? Just to have a kid around, you know, a powerful fusion reactor. Yeah, he's actually working on one of the main computers. And he notices what the alien assistant is up to. And the alien notices Wesley noticing and encourages him to get involved. The Traveller is impressed by Wesley and has an innocent childlike quality to him as well as being a genius, so maybe they connect on that level. Mm -hmm. I think he's kind of childlike. Will said the look was creepy in retrospect, and it did teeter on that line, actually. I I did. I brought that up when we were watching. I'm like, he's a little too close to him there. Yeah. Hate to say it, but it's kind of that Michael Jackson thing where he seems childlike, so you think, oh, it's just their friends. (laughs) But then in Will Wheaton's book, he has this whole line going through of, the traveler sort of perving on Wesley. <laughs> so take, take of that what you will. Menuk said he and Wheating got along well. There's a part of every actor that's a kid at heart, he said. This is from Starlog magazine in 1988. In creating the character with producer Bob Justman and makeup artist Mike Westmore, they wanted the traveler to be alien with human qualities, not to be ugly or unpleasant to look at, he said. Interesting. When Kaczynski <laughs> is ready, Picard orders LaForge to take the Enterprise to warp. 1.5. Kaczynski is working like crazy on his terminal, and the alien assistant, the Traveler, is working on his with Wesley looking on. Hey, I thought they were supposed to be just doing a bit of a software upgrade, not actually testing it out in the field. Wesley suggests some amendments, and the Traveler looks impressed and makes them. Oh dear. <laughs> Here we go. 
Happy times don't last long as something goes wrong due to some massive energy outburst. The Traveler fades out for a bit and mm. becomes transparent. Wesley is the only one who notices this happen. How much has Wesley seen already that this doesn't really freak him out? <laughs> Starship life. Mm. Harder than a thug's life. <laughs> LaForge tells them that they are passing warp 10 with a velocity going off the scale. Has their only limit been engine efficiency so far? I think they were just hoping to tweak out the engines and get a little bit more efficiency with this new software, but... But suddenly they're able to go warp infinity. There's a lot of questions. There's been a lot of talk before of high warp almost wrecking the ship. Mm -hmm. This is the D, of course, but... Yes. Hmm. <laughs> they still don't have seatbelts, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously haven't settled on warp speeds at this point mm -hmm. because, you know, they're going past 10 and... Later on, they say once you go 10, basically, it's teleportation. You can be anywhere in the universe once Ooh, you warp 10. Wow. There is some crazy warp effects that go on, and Picard orders them to reverse the engines, even though Data says, no one has ever done that at this speed. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible idea. Get your seatbelts on and prepare for your brain to exit through your eyes. <laughs> but of course it works. Everyone's totally unaffected. They don't even stumble about. They don't even jerk forward. No. This is ridiculous. <laughs> In seconds, this happens. Yeah. From whatever million miles an hour. Sure. How much is light speed? Am I underplaying it there? Yeah. There <laughs> Billions go. of miles an hour sure. to zero uh -huh. in two seconds. Yeah. And we don't see any effect. Well, the idea that momentum and velocity mean anything at these speeds, mm. you might as well just throw that out the window. True, because you would be pinned back against and through your chair the whole time, wouldn't you? Well, it's and against, your head would explode. It's against the laws of physics for right. matter to travel this fast. So whatever's yeah. going on. <laughs> it's not yeah, normal rules. It's not normal rules at all. LaForge tells them that they have traveled 2,700,000 light years. Light years! Uh, to a galaxy M33, and at maximum warp, it would take them over 300 years to get home. <sighs> Truly lost in space. Mm. Starfleet can't do anything because it would take years to even get the message. Yep. Hope M3 Green's out here. <laughs> sweeten it a bit, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. Little sweetheart. <laughs> Carry him around a bit. It makes everybody feel better. <laughs> Kaczynski, Riker, and Argyle get on the bridge. Rather than looking bashful or scared, Kaczynski is pumped! Yeah, Kaczynski says he's made a wonderful mistake, but he can do it again and get them back home. Riker still senses something is up, but what can he do? This butthole's the only way to get them home. Oh, it reminds me of this great new show we're watching. Too hot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, watch it. Because <laughs> there's one guy who they call Jesus, and he's got a suspicion about who's kissed and lost them all $3,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's like seeing the cogs turn. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> he's more effective than Riker in solving oh it, dang <laughs> it's true well he's got a beard Riker doesn't have the beard yet that's so it that's beard the, power it's the beard power in engineering the traveler is worse for wear and Wesley asks if he can help Wesley knows that Kaczynski isn't doing squat and the traveler is doing all the magic the traveler says he means no harm and that he just made a mistake is Mr. Kaczynski like he sounds a joke no that's too cruel he has then some small part of this that space and time and thought aren't the separate things they appear to be? I just thought the formula you were using said something like that. Boy, don't ever say that again. Especially not at your age in a world that's not ready for such... such dangerous nonsense. 
Yikes, take that, teacher's pet. (laughs) (laughs) You thought you were going to get some praise for that one. I do like Will's performance in that. I think it's lovely and natural. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I think he's really good so far, and the hate, maybe it comes later. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm liking me some Wesley. I think he's great. Yeah. Everyone comes back to engineering, and Wesley tries to tell Riker about the Traveler, and Riker just blows him off. Why do people always do this in TV? He's not just some random kid, and you know he's been there watching the Traveler. Yeah, and they're in Star Trek. Like, crazy stuff happens all (laughs) All the time. time. So if the kid goes, hey, yeah, he phased in and out when he was doing the... He'd be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay, let's look into this. Because he's he's already suspicious, Riker. Yeah, Yeah. I know he's under pressure. And I know we ignore our kids all the time, but they're not... Wesley types and it's not a starship situation. It's not Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's that Riker is so focused on Kaczynski that Mm. he's not paying attention to the Traveler. That's right. It's time for Troy to come in and help you. Nope, where's she? Kaczynski sets up to go get them back home, but there's an even bigger burst of speed. Riker sees the Traveler fading in and out, then the Traveler collapses on his council. Do you know why? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Doesn't that really get explained, does no, it? No, <laughs> something about what he's doing is requiring a lot of energy yes. slash speed slash thought. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, because they're all the same. They're all the same? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's ponder it in concepts. Yes. The Enterprise is shot so fast that they end up in some trippy Doctor Strange-esque dimension. Ooh, it's pretty. Nice effects. Yeah. Yeah. They've put way too much faith in this guy, though. Check you're going in the right direction first, at least. I think they were, and they overshot it. Oof. I think is what was implied. They are able to deduce that they are a billion light years from the Milky Way galaxy at the edge of the universe, maybe? Oh, God, that's how big it is and beyond. Kaczynski doesn't seem to know what happened again, but he's into it. <laughs> they have broken records, done the impossible. In three centuries of space travel, we've charted only 11% of our galaxy, and then we accomplish this. <laughs> Picard is like, well, none of it matters if we can't get back home. (laughs) (laughs) Can't tell anyone about it. On the bridge, Worf and Yar see a Klingon Targ, Worf's childhood pet. (laughs) It's like a warthog with horns and a bit, but it quickly disappears. Now, I looked this up. Worf's Targ was played by a Russian wild (laughs) boar named Emmy Lou. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a Russian name. It it sure is. Robert Justman recalled, that pig smelled horrid, a sweet, sour, extremely pungent odor. I showered and showered, and it took me a week to get rid of it. <laughs> it's like when we went past that gorilla pen. Ooh, oh, man. man. They do not smell good. They were vomiting up onions, though. Sorry, everyone, if you're eating your tea. Weird that they both see it. I thought he would just see it, and she would see her own pet or nothing. Well, that means that it's actually there. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah, That's thoughts right. are it's becoming not, real. Not just a vision. Yes. It's like shore leave. It is like shore leave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then Yar sees her cat from back on the colony where she grew up, and then she finds herself back there in like some grimy, sewery area hiding out from oh, the rape gangs. Oh, not again. Oh. oh, just give us an episode in between, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Please. I mean, that that's a luxury for us. Obviously, she can't escape it. No. Pretty dark for Star Trek, I gotta admit, yeah. Uh, When LaForge touches her, she snaps out of it. Picard takes the turbo lift to engineering, but when the door opens, it opens up into space, Mm. warping space, and then he quickly gets back inside the turbo lift and all seems to be back to normal. Picard sees a crewman dancing some ballet in one of the cargo holes. I love this. (laughs) Amazing African-American ballet dancer. Oh, yeah. And then this guy tripped out like Mozart with a load of other guys all dressed up. Yeah. Playing, playing some Mozart. Yeah, right. playing some Mozart. It's, it's a quintet. 
at this point, you already know what the entertainment score is going to be for me. <laughs> so Picard sees his dead mother having tea. She seems like she's going to explain what's going on, but Riker brings him out of the vision. Or is it a vision? Yeah. Because or... Riker couldn't see that. Yeah. It's very mm. confusing what's going on here. Picard realizes they need to get out of there or everybody's visions are going to be getting out of control. Yeah. And they're going to be trapped. Don't know why they needed to raise the stakes here. They need to get out of there anyway, but... Oh, it think, makes it more entertaining. It does make it more. It would be a little bit boring if they were just kind of sitting around talking, which a lot of people criticize Star Trek for doing. Uh, so I, I think it's good to up the stakes at this point. Yeah. Picard then makes an announcement across the whole ship to tell everybody to try to control their thoughts because guess what? People's thoughts are becoming real. So mm. we got to rein this in. Try and be good right now. Yeah. Take everyone through a meditation or something. Exactly. Where is she? Underutilized, that's where yeah, she is. Absolutely. In engineering, the traveler is out cold and Dr. Crusher is trying to revive him. Riker tells Picard that it was the traveler, not Kaczynski, that was doing everything. Kaczynski seems embarrassed. He did believe that he was doing it all. Ah, oh, that makes it a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? It does. And makes him a little more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. They bring the traveler to sick bay and Picard tells her to wake him up, even though she's not really sure how to treat him. When he comes to, he explains he's a traveler from another plane of existence, and he's traveling the galaxy and using them to help him get around. He meant no harm, and this place that they are now is no place for humans. He says he'll help them get back there, but he must speak to Picard alone before he does. Wesley seems reluctant to leave the traveler. Strange how he seems to care for you. He will forget me in time, which is as it should be. It's Wesley I wanted to speak to you about. The boy? It's best you do not repeat this to the others, especially not to the mother. Whatever happens, it is imperative that it proceed naturally. I must get my ship back. Do we have time for this? Oh, yes. He and a few like him are why I travel. You have it in your power to encourage him without interfering. Encourage him in what? How shall I explain? Are you familiar with the intricacies of what is called here music? Somewhat. And such musical genius as I saw in one of your ship's libraries, one called Mozart, who is a small child, wrote astonishing symphonies. A genius who made music not only to be heard, but seen and felt beyond the understanding, the ability of others. Wesley is such a person. Not with music, but with the equally lovely intricacies of time, energy, propulsion, and the instruments of this vessel, which allow all that to be played. You're right, I must hurry now. But you're right in something else. He is just a boy for now. He should be encouraged, but told none of this. Hmm, so don't tell him, definitely don't tell his mom, for goodness sake, that he's this <laughs> genius who sees... <laughs> colors as numbers and etc just encourage him yeah yeah it's a bit creepy though saying don't tell your mom yeah, it is i agree i think of course you should tell his mom but then sometimes moms could get a little overbearing and maybe a starship captain is just the kind of mentor you need <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the traveler is obviously some highly evolved creature that yeah. has uh, intelligence that supersedes humans so mm -hmm. maybe he knows something yeah. That Picard yeah. doesn't. Or he's a perv. But those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying give Wesley opportunities. But don't make a big deal out of yes. it. And change his path. Because right. just let him evolve. Yes. Yeah. Wesley sticks up for himself at some point in this episode when he's being called the boy and says, I have a name. 
And Will said in his book, on a personal note, I had a similar conversation with just about every director we ever had on the show. Aww. They all insisted on calling me the boy or the kid. And most of them favoured grabbing me by the elbow and moving me around the set rather than, you know, giving me direction. Like I was a person or a professional or anything like that. The worst offender was this guy, Cliff Ball. For the record, Rob Bowman, who directed this episode, treated me really well. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's, that's rough in here. Poor, poor guy. It's got to be tough being a kid actor. Uh, they help the Traveler down to engineering, and Picard makes a ship-wide announcement telling everyone to think encouraging thoughts to the Traveler and of getting home. Ah, sweet. Wesley holds the Traveler's hand. Oh. They go back to warp speed, and then there's a bunch of lights, and the Traveler fades away for good. The Enterprise is back where they started. After they get back on their way, Wesley stops off the bridge. Riker reminds Picard that Wesley's not allowed on the bridge because he's not a ranking officer. Although Riker's doing it with kind of a wink almost convincing him to let him stay or something but teasing him they're doing a bit for him to stay on he needs to be a ranking officer yeah. and he's going to give wesley a field commission captain's log stardate 41263.4 for outstanding performance in the best starfleet tradition wesley crusher is made acting ensign for the duties and privileges of that rank and whether that rank becomes permanent mr crusher depends on you the earliest opportunity, your entrance application for Starfleet Academy will be tendered. Until then, you will learn this ship, every operation, every function. Commander Riker, a duty schedule for Mr. Crusher, heavy on study. Aye, sir. Meanwhile, you can sit here and learn something. Sir, should I send for Dr. Crusher? Why, someone ill? Or would you rather tell her about this, Wes? If you don't mind, sir, I'd like to sit here for a while. I'll tell her later. <laughs> Is it all? I, I, it's kind of sweet. I totally fall for all the sappy stuff. I really like it. <laughs> he does deserve to be rewarded. But send him to the Academy first and then let him come and do stuff. That's a bit premature, isn't it? Well... He is the best person they've got, though, isn't he? He's pretty smart. <laughs> And he's really good at stuff. Yeah, why not utilize him, but also help him learn and study and give him a leg up when he gets to the Academy. All right, so concepts. Oh, at least Riker admitted he'd screwed up and Wesley had told him mm -hmm. about the Traveler. Yeah. And then he kind of was instrumental in getting him the honorary ensignship, mm -hmm. whatever it was. Yeah. What was the Traveler's deal, though? Why was he phasing in and out, undetectable by Troy? I... I have a lot of questions about the Traveler, but what mm. I think he is, is a good example of something that is beyond human understanding. <laughs> no, no, I, I, seriously, but not ultimately super powerful. Like, he can't do everything, but he mm -hmm. thinks and works in ways that we don't understand and probably could never quite understand. So we shouldn't try and reduce him to something Quantum. within our understanding. Yeah, mm. I think it's really interesting because he still needs the Starship. Like yes. he says that. Mm -hmm. So he's not all powerful. No. But he works on this level that other people can't understand. I think it's a good example of an evolved intelligence, transhumanism type stuff, when the intelligence evolves to a point where you won't understand what they're doing or yeah. what they're thinking about. It's, again, like a dog trying to understand what a human does on a computer. Yeah. No matter how you explain it, the dog's never going to get it. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good example of that. He does have limitations. He's not like Q or he's not Turlane or any of these other Yeah, characters. he can't even mind control people and get them yeah. to allow him on the ship. He has to have this D-ball cover story guy, doesn't he? <laughs> right, yeah. And I think it's really interesting. And I think conceptually it makes this episode a little special. 
mm -hmm. that it's got somebody working on a higher level, but it's not the 20th level. You know, they're just like a level above mm -hmm. humans. Back to my dog analogy, people like having dogs around. Mm -hmm. They have strong emotions towards dogs. Dogs don't have starships though, do they? They don't have starships, <laughs> but there is a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And intelligence doesn't factor into that. Even though the traveler is much more intelligent than humans, he still has needs or wants from them, hopefully not creepy ones. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then the human with the computer's like, hey, dogs, there's actually a human dog with you. Don't tell its mum, but encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a dog here that I think could actually figure out how to use this computer. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell his mom. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really interesting, this kind of hinting on the idea that thought and speed and energy are these interchangeable ideas. Yikes. Again, it touches on that idea of what's beyond human understanding. Yeah, man, I can't wrap my tiny little dog brain around that. I think this does a really good job with it. Maybe accidentally. I don't know if it was intentional <laughs> or not, but I really dig this episode. Why was he phasing in and out and getting drained? The exertion of it all? Is it like he's gone too far away from his real power source or something? don't know because he's not really there i don't know that's a he's lost signal or something there's a whole bunch of things that i could theorize but mm. you don't really understand what his connection is he's from another dimension or another place and he maybe only partially exists in our world yeah. and exists in other places who knows Ooh, what do you all think let us know so he allows kaczynski to take credit just so he can have free trips around the universe what about warp infinity traveling billions of light years yeah Whoa! Big jump there, isn't it? Did you like it? Yeah, I think it's super cool. And yeah. why not? If you can break the laws of physics by going warp speed, why not break them even further? And <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting. We had visions. No, they were made to reality, like shore leave, mm -hmm. Picard's mamo, Worf's pet, etc. Will said it was implausible that some crewmen walked past Troy and Crusher and the women stayed fully clothed. <laughs> Cheeky. His book is quite juvenile, but it's really funny. Oh, that's Will Wheaton's book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this episode was loosely based on the original series pocket novel, Wounded Sky. Hmm. And it was written by Diane Duane and Michael Reeves. Now, Michael Reeves was a big help on the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast back in the day. Oh. And he was a huge TV writer. He wrote lots of amazing things, lots of cool sci-fi stuff. He wrote one of my favorite episodes of The Real Ghostbusters, Collect Call of Cthulhu. He's been living with Parkinson's for many years now, and I'm not sure how he's doing, but I know writing is hard for him and that he lost his ability to speak when we were in contact with him a few uh, years ago. Yeah. Because we wanted him to be on our show. I love his writing and it doesn't surprise me to see his name on this episode. Yeah. Well, Will includes a comment from Diane saying only two scenes remain from their original script was it had been messed around with. Picard and Mamon and Picard nearly falling out into space. That's it? Yeah. Oh my God. No doubt they came up with the cool concepts of it. I don't know. And she said, leaving us to spend the rest of our natural lives clutching our heads and moaning about Kaczynski's bad behavior. He wasn't like that when we wrote him. Oh, wow. <laughs> In terms of Kaczynski, Will Wheaton praised Kamel's acting, which made the character complex, layering insecurity under the arrogance. Yeah. I agree. I, th I thought he was really good. I liked the character and that he was a big tool. Yeah. So what'd you give it? I'm close to an eight. Ooh. Yeah, go on. That's pretty heady concept. Actually, or is it? Does it make sense? I don't know. I think it touches on some really great concepts that mm. makes me think about a lot of stuff. The nature of reality and it's good sci-fi, I think. Maybe eight's a bit high. Yeah. Because that doesn't give me much room to go if, when we get some really awesome ones. So I'll say seven. Yeah, seven I think out seven. Of yeah, I'll go seven too. Entertainment. Let's entertain Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Will Whitten agrees with us that the preceding episodes were stinkers. Well, the pilot was all right. Yeah. So this is the first one where Next Gen starts to come together. He says of his own character, if you hated Wesley already, it was unlikely that this episode would change your mind. But if you were looking for a glimmer of evidence that he wouldn't just be a total weenie for the whole series, Aww. there was just enough here to get your hopes up before we dash them to hell just a few episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> his jumpers are a character in themselves. Yeah. It seems that Grandma's sending care packages to the ship for him or something. <laughs> he said, No joke, William Wertheus had me go to some dude's house to have my colours done. As a 14-year-old who was really into the sweet pastels and bright neon colours of the late 80s, I was horrified to discover I was an autumn with a hint of winter honey <laughs> who would get to wear oranges, browns, greens and pukes until I finally got my official spacesuit, which honestly wasn't much better. <laughs> I also agree with Will Wheaton. Is this how this whole show is going to go if uh, I keep maybe. reading his book? Yeah, know. I guess so. <laughs> that Picard is a confusing mixture so far. Complexity is good, of course, but it's tricky to navigate why he's gruff and no-nonsense sometimes and then sensitive and warm at others. Yeah. Not quite clear why it's one or the other at different points. Well, I think his warmness here is because he's taking the advice of this super intelligent being and he may be realizing that he's been a bit dismissive of Wesley. He's learning some stuff. Yeah, I'd have to disagree with Will on this. I see Picard. Maybe it's through rose-colored glasses that uh -huh. I'm looking at this and I'm twisting things around to make it work for me, but I like him. Does he become more generally warm? Oh, or yeah. Uh, yeah. The Traveler's makeup. Bit of a strange mixture between youthful and the old hairstyle, which mm. confused me. Yeah. I liked the visions to a certain extent. They didn't blow me away, but I loved the ballet dancing. Mm -hmm. and the music. That's yeah. a nice little cultural touch, isn't it? Yeah. Good performances, I thought. Yeah. 7.5 out of 10. I was going to say 7, but now I'm thinking in the scheme of Star Trek, is it really a 7? I'm like, no. Mm. I think it's a solid middle-of-the-road episode of all Star Trek, but maybe slightly better. So I'm going to give it a 6. Hopefully it's going to go up from here. Oh, yeah. Not right away, but oh, eventually okay. it will. Will Wheaton gave it a B plus, by the way. Oh, okay. Sexiness. Oh, God. Would I love to show you. <laughs> Sexiness. I liked the ballet dancer. That's about it, really, isn't it? It's a pretty asexual episode, so yeah. I'll give it a good old... 2.5. There was a little creepiness. A little bit of kid creepiness. But then there was the ballet dancer, so that averages out at 2.5. 2.5. Okay. <laughs> My guess is, yeah, they did go further than anyone's ever gone into space. Mm -hmm. They did not turn into lizards. No. Wesley's brilliance was kind of imposed on them while he was involved. Yeah. There was no lizard wrecker, and he did not come up with a way to reverse it. Did he? No. Who did? The Traveller. The Traveller did. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Please reach out to us on social media. Yeah, we'll be posting updates on there and so on. Pictures, yes. little videos. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah. So any of those places are great places to get in touch. And if you're a patron, obviously on the Patreon page, leave comments and we'll read those on our comment show. Yes. I want to thank our patrons for all their support. Without you, we would not be doing this show. And if you are listening to this, you are making this happen. There would be no point in sending these out if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Thank you. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!